Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the PC Perspective Podcast. We have reached episode 716. This is being recorded on March 29, 2023. I'm Sebastian Peake. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walkrath. I'm Brett Van Spurnberg. You didn't put a pause in your name. I Are we decided to make Shatner. Is tonight. it Shatner's birthday today or something? I, am I missing? Uh, recently, but no. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. What is he like? 150? Oh, I, I thought I heard somebody talking over me. And so I stopped to let them oh. talk over me. And I was going to give them yeah. a piece of my mind. It was totally silent. You can support what we do here at PC Perspective by going to patreon.com. Well, it's we can't be held responsible for what you choose to do <laughs> with your hard-earned money. But if you choose to throw mm-hmm. some of it our way, patreon.com slash PC Per. We, we, we need to thank your name here. Yes, you can be the featured name in our podcast next week. You know, I'll throw up some kind of uh, glitchy looking text graphic or something like that. I usually do there. That would be fun. Mm-hmm. That would be fun. Uh, and normally we go right into the burger of the week thing, but uh, Josh didn't have one, did you? Josh? No, I didn't. They, Why? They, they, they had a small kitchen fire. Fire started behind the deep fat fire. So... It's actually pretty lucky it wasn't worse than it was. So they had to shut down for the day and clean things up and get a few things prepared. So no burger. But, you know, that's that's kind of the classic joke. Did you hear that there was a fire at McDonald's? And people say, no. It's like, yeah, someone threw a match in the cook's hair. Grease fire? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Our first news story this week <laughs> is uh, The Last of Us. PC port uh, is not it's not good. It's it's in fact it's really bad. Oh, this is an actual eyebrow she has though. Yeah, it's uh, a bit um caterpillary bushy. So Even. this I there's a lot of stories out there and you've probably already read about this, but this one is at Kotaku. Everyone's drenched in sweat, seeing colors and bouncing off the walls. It's it reminds me a lot of the Cyberpunk launch, but this might actually be worse. I, mean, I don't think I Cyberpunk think it might be. This. Seems worse. And you know they had they had delayed the PC launch by a couple of weeks to polish the game. I think it just wasn't working at all, and they got it working at least like forty percent now. But the crash rate is ridiculous. Apparently, um, shader compilation is taking an hour for some people. <laughs> and everywhere I looked it seemed like the story was just as bad. For example, Steam Deck. Yeah. Obviously, that's a Linux device, not Windows, but The Last of Us on Steam Deck is not great, says Gaming on Linux, and uh, it's problematic. There are issues galore. Yeah, this is just one of those ports. Apparently I heard it's, the first uh, patch has already come out. Is that true? I don't know. I, the last I saw of it... Uh, Naughty Dog on Twitter was saying that they were looking into it. Mm. I don't know if they have updated that. A day zero vulnerability, or I mean patch. Uh. We've heard your concerns, and our team is actively investigating multiple issues you've reported. Our team continues to monitor our support pages. and so This is all yesterday. Yeah, Yeah, there's a... I found their page on... uh, I don't know where. I'll I'll drop a link. But it's there. There's a March 29 patch notes here. 2.9 gigabytes for some updates. 
Loading shaders takes longer than expected. Hmm. Performance and stability is degraded while shaders are loading. Older graphics drivers lead to instability. Game may be unable to boot despite meeting the minimum system requirements. Oh, and this one's I think is my favorite. Uh, potential memory leaks. That one, you can do so much fun with that one. If you're hoping this patch will fix everything, unfortunately, that is not the case. This update has either made no improvements for some players or in some cases has reduced the gamer's performance, uh, reduced the game's performance even further. Does not speak well of this particular patch. No. Maybe it was rushed. Here's the Steam page, and as you can see, mostly negative reviews. Uh, <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> not recommended. Not recommended. <laughs> not. Okay. 80 gigabyte download, one hour. Unpacking the game, 45 minutes. Building shaders, 45 minutes. Loading prologue, 10 minutes. Actual playing time, 5 minutes. Stutter and crash, 5 minutes. 5 minutes of play time, 5 more minutes of stutter and crash. Requested refund, 1 minute. Ah, okay, because we're going to say, you might actually have been playing the game too long to get the refund after that load. (laughs) I was was hoping to catch the end of that story. Um, Do those uh, visuals there say not actual gameplay? Just curious as whether they mentioned that. Ooh, I don't know. If they didn't, they do now. I just think that's only be fair. It's only $59.99 for an unfinished PC port. So I'd say just jump in. Shut up, beta tester. Buy the game. Has, has the industry just become <laughs> totally are they just tone deaf? How many bad Pedro PC- Pascal endorses this project product? <laughs> <laughs> did you say project? What did you say? If that would project have been appropriate. <laughs> endorses this project. That's pretty good. <sighs> Let's move to another game that was allegedly problematic, at least for some people, and that is perhaps the second coming of the GPU destroyer. Now I don't know if this is every again from Blizzard. CTI. So it sounds like what happened is that uh, Gigabyte uh, did not implement kind of their their power behavior correctly. And so cutscenes mm-hmm. were at full speed, you know, not yeah. limited to 60 hertz or whatever, or 60 frames per second or whatever. And uh, yeah, it, it drew so much power in these gigabyte boards that it just fried them. And so it was a yeah. 3080 Ti, which was not inexpensive. And no. yeah, it was primarily gigabyte. And we're talking about Diablo yeah. 4 sneak peek. In <clears throat> the second, they, they had instituted a patch. Yes. fix the cutscene issue. So that was a positive, and that was a, a quick patch by the people at Blizzard to actually fix the problem. So that that's kind of cool. Hopefully the I cards think it took get replaced, them. and no. everybody's happy. Gigabyte support for graphics cards? Yeah. Good? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Over the past 15 years, I've had them replace... Zero cards, and yeah. I've had problems with probably 12 of them. Mm-hmm. I just stopped buying them because it wasn't worth it. And these were uh, customers. Some, it's not like I go out and buy, you know, boards all the time. But these were, you know, people I did, you know, builds on for the side. And <laughs> Gigabyte had some great prices. And I thought, well, you know, their motherboards are so great. I've had so few problems with them. And then their graphics division is just, I don't know what, yeah. what the hell their problem is. Sloppy? Lackadaisical? Something. They do make a mean budget board. Like if you need a platform I... board replacement for something, I always just go on Amazon and look for a gigabyte board because they, they just tend to work. 
Asus boards are yeah. nicer, but Gigabyte boards mm-hmm. are good bang for the buck, in my experience. Uh, no, I'm running a X570 uh, Elite, Aorus Elite, and have been for Same the past here. how many years? It's been four years now. Yep. It just got upgraded to this monstrosity, and they have, you know, new BIOS updates, and that's, that's by the uh, way, uh, R7... Uh, 580 uh, 5800x3d which runs like a champ yeah is it changing your life yet (laughs) not yet no your life is 3d now josh it's not like going from a k63 to an athlon that was life-changing well what is nowadays it's nice but yeah how fast was the Athlon? Did you get a 500 or did you get it in like the Thunderbird? I got a 550. 500? Oh, it's a 550. Okay. No, it did. Step up. No, I get I can't remember if I got a 500 or 550. I think it was a 550. I spent the extra. Nice. And um, yeah. And then shortly after they, they released the 600. So. And, and I don't think the 450 the, ever made it to the market. One. No, no. When it launched, it was just 500. I don't think they ever had a lower one unless it's just in prototype. Well, they originally thought they were, but. So many of their dies just, you know, ran at 500 without a problem. Yeah. Yep. Plus, I mean, Pentium 3 did, of course, have a 450, which like coincided with like the very end of the P2 era was 450. Pentium 3 launched at 450. But I mean, by the time Athlon was out, 450 was passe. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. You could you could run that at, at 100 megahertz frontside bus at 500 megahertz, and it just mm-hmm. would just run there all day long without a problem at Pentium 3. Anyway, yes. Are you looking into a 2.5 gigabit network and frustrated with the lack of affordable switches to make that possible? Well, Serve the Home, the leading authority on home networking stuff and enterprise stuff, basically. They've kind of cornered the market there in the media industry. Has the ultimate cheap fanless 2.5 GBE switch mega roundup. And you can go to YouTube and watch their video about it. Hallelujah! Yes, fans. Yeah. So, and they broke uh, it up very nicely. Right? So you want unmanaged? Uh, do you want like a 10 gigabase T? Do you want SPP plus? Do you want POE? Or do you just want cheap unmanaged? And so it's really interesting what they've done here. Uh, it's You've already got a 2.5 gigabit E on the back of your motherboard, and it won't help your internet speeds, but internally... Your network will be flying. It looks like prices in this roundup range between one hundred and one hundred and fifty dollars. Yep. Yeah, All you throw the eight ports in, and they ch- jump up a bit, but still. Yeah. Oh, I see. Here we have the. These must be managed because these we're up to like two hundred and forty dollars here. Yeah, managed. Well, that one's unmanaged, but it has a couple of SFP plus ports for the transceivers, yeah. which is nice. I mean, if you especially if you want to do like. A short fiber run or something like that. Are you talking about this top QNAP? Yeah. that's one thirty. Yeah, I think yeah, I actually have that one. Okay. Yeah, so you can do a. a I mean, the 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 fiber will probably cost you more than the switch does, but hey, you can do it. <laughs> and you the want PoE? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, fair the the entire assembly, but yeah. yeah. You want PoE? They got that, and if you really want to brave it, uh, you can do the fanless one. They they run yeah. a little bit hot, um, so you want to make sure there's plenty of room to breathe. I, I was reading about somebody had you know, had given a couple of these a bad review and you read into that, like, Oh, I had it behind my rack or I had it right. on a yeah. shelf or something like that. And I'm like, Oh, geez, 
you're really torturing this device. Yeah. You got to let it, yeah. you got a little air around them. So apparently they've already done a full review of them all, but they're just teasing them out. So they've done, they put it the roundup first and now they're going to be putting out full reviews of each of them over the next week or two, three weeks. I mean, the prices are finally starting to come down, but I, I still don't see mass adoption, unfortunately of this standard until every, you know, cheapo router goes to 2.5 because everything is still gigabit on the back. It's frustrating. You might get like one faster port, but. Yeah, but who 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 shares files around anymore in the home network? Now that we've got you know, what six hundred megabit cable downloads? Well, There's no have point. You, in... Have you heard of a NAS? Yeah, I have NAS. heard of a NAS, yeah. but okay. yeah, you know that's, that's my argument. Yeah, especially if you're a content creator, if you're somebody who does anything with video, if you want to have your own home, like you know, Plex. yeah, it, definitely. Kind of yeah. But for somebody like me. I mean, you know, Masses? 10 years ago, I probably could have used it because, you know, then I was sitting on what? 30 megabit download. So, yeah, it made sense to, to save large files and steam backups mm-hmm. and stuff. And now it it just doesn't make much sense when we're doing 20 times that speed. And, um, yeah, you just download a whole game and. 15 minutes and the, it's already the updated version as compared to, you know, you, you, you shaved, you, you, you shaved, you saved your steam library and it's all stuff from, you know, six, 10, eight months ago. And if you're playing like uh no man's sky, I mean, you might as well just download the whole damn thing again. So many changes. Well, local backups steam and nice. Okay, well, for clearly your- Josh is uh, just, it's fast advice. Like yeah, one gigabits fast enough. Move on. Get faster. Yeah, 640K, you never need any more memory than that. Get off my lawn. Yeah. Okay. I mean, only good old games is actually good at when you're moving games around. Both Steam and Epic and Ubisoft and them, they get pissy. Mm. No, you know, I'm going to download half the game again just because I don't like what you did. Uh, Next up, uh, I think we're going to be hearing from this company a little bit later, but uh, Next Level Racing, this is a new story, Mm -hmm. unveils flash Uh range of officially Ferrari licensed elite products. Yeah, so this is their kind of top end uh, aluminum profile extruded aluminum uh, chassis that they've partnered up with Ferrari to give you some nice badges and some branding. And uh, it's a pretty uh, fancy, fancy cockpit. Now, I'm not entirely sure, but I don't know if it comes with the actual seat or not, if that's just the frame. I can't remember. But yeah, uh, it's Ferrari. It's just if you want to be your own little Charles Leclerc, you can buy this and mm. race around Monte Carlo. I don't know, Josh. The seat looks well branded, so my assumption yeah. is that it comes with the seat. Ah, uh, uh, but do you want the basic maybe. one or the carbon fiber or the fine Corinthian leather one? You're not going to believe how fast I'm going to be going in this, so I'm definitely going to need the carbon fiber. I, I don't want to, you know lose control in the corners. Well, there are different yeah. levels. But it's uh, it's not inexpensive. It's $1,300. No. <laughs> well, I mean... Oh, you, that's not as bad as I thought. No, look, it is the next level racing. Go back. Seat. Free delivery. The Scuderia <laughs> Ferrari seat is 500 bucks, And mm-hmm. oh, the... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the actual uh, um, frame itself is, is 1300 
Okay, so yeah. you're looking at eighteen hundred bucks for. You have to be pretty dedicated. Yeah. And really like your Ferrari and really like your racing. But if you're more like me, and a little man in your heart tells you don't spend that money, then hang around till later. Yeah, if if you're like Josh and you say Gigabit is fast enough, then you know. <laughs> Hang around till later. (laughs) Let's pause here for a word from our podcast sponsor. Power up your springtime with Factor. Cut back on the takeout. Instead, put your money and time you save towards activities for when the weather warms up. Get nutritious, chef-prepared meals delivered straight to your door with Factor. Factor has delicious, flavor-packed meals to help you live your life to its fullest. We've had a chance to try them, and seriously, they're all top-notch. Whether you select the calorie-smart, keto, vegan, veggie, or protein-plus option each week, these meals have been prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians. There are 34 weekly options with always something new to try. Enjoy meals for any time of the day. They even have breakfast items like egg bites, smoothies, and more. So get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals fast. Ready in as quickly as two minutes with no prep and no mess. So head to factormeals.com slash pcper50 and use code pcper50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code pcper50 at factormeals.com slash pcper50 and get 50% off your first box. We're back, and we're going to look at something near and dear to my heart. Well, at least the ISA sound card part of it. This is a Hackaday article. ISA over TPM to your PC. The disappointment. This is a D-ISA. LPC to ISA adapter. Because that TPM chip can be used for good as well. Fascinating. TPM port. Or sorry, port. port. Yes. That's pretty interesting. So I wonder how this would actually work because you can't natively run the games. Would this be? Well, apparently it does run native. No, it's actually native. The ISA signaling was actually found through schematic deep diving that it was discovered. The low pin count bus is actually exposed on the TPM port on modern motherboards. And come on, remember what ISA used to stand for? Um. International Standard Architecture? Yeah. So it was the standard. Even even PCI, or well, sorry, AGP tried to, you know, at least stay similar. It wasn't, but yeah, ISA was the standard back in the day. And so it still kicks around. <clears throat> there are a few things that still handle it. Uh, your old floppies. Okay. Wow. Your video's all jacked. <laughs> I don't know what's yeah, going it's on. Totally you press jacked. a video. We we already mentioned the emulation thing. Uh, I think it was, I think it was a year ago or so. Yeah, this is an article from November 2022. Oh, Emulating cool. ISA cards with a Raspberry Pi and an FPGA. That's what I want because that way I could just get rid of the entire ISA sound card collection and be able to simulate it. But I really oh, like the stacking. Yeah. that's that's amazing. <laughs> I you know I could just get rid I, of them I, anyway I, and just use DOSBox, but. I don't think that we've talked about the relative degra- uh, degradation that your cards have gone through due to capacitor leakage and just general unfortunate issues that really old PC hardware experiences and that yeah. you may not be able to even run some of them that you have. I live in fear of that. That's and I've mentioned that before recently. It's, it might, it's time to divest myself of the whole thing because it's all just going to blow up in my face. Literally. I'm going to have like capacitors <laughs> it, exploding. It might burn. Electrolytic 
fluid leaking everywhere. Things flying around like tires and exploding like fry Just cookers. Sell it before yeah. it's too late. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Sell it now that the market Recoup is not anything losses. like it was mm. at the height of the insanity. Wait, Wait till it cools. Buy high, sell yeah. low. That's your yeah, motto. Exactly. That's hey, and I did. My AMD Interwave sound card, I think I paid $175 <laughs> for that thing. And it is a piece of <laughs> our next story is about Intel and their next unit of computing. Do you remember the original next unit of computing, the four by four? This that was almost eleven years ago now, I think, that it launched. And their latest iteration for the 13th gen. It looks quite a bit like last generation. We still have the the uh, small, like the slim and the tall, which has the extra expansion bay. But now we're talking about up to 12 core, 16 thread processors. The very high end is a Core i7 1370P V Pro with a 96 EU Iris Xe GPU integrated. You can put up to 64 gigabytes of uh, dual channel DDR4 in these things. And these are offered with, you know, non-VPro, i7s, i5s, i3s. You can get them as just a system board or a bare bone kit or a complete system. And they're going to range in price from 340 up to 1080 and that's for a configured system, all maxed out. So, anyway. What does that max out to? 1080 seems like a lot. Yeah, but I mean, you're talking about the high-end VPro SKU... I would imagine that one has 64 gigs of memory. I'd have to follow the link and look, but not all of these are available yet. They said that they would begin availability this by the end of this month, and then uh, system integrators, retailers, late March, most configurations available by June. So Intel i226 Ethernet, 2.5 gigabit, of course. Intel Wi-Fi 6E, Bluetooth 5.3, two HDMI ports, two Thunderbolt 4 ports, Four displays of 4K60 from this tiny little thing. And see, Josh, it would be perfect for one of those 2.5 gigabit uh, routers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Get right on that. Okay. This this next story, I added this this morning. I was very excited about it. Maybe it was, I don't remember what time it was. And it doesn't matter. I got an email this morning from B&H Photo about this, and I just stared at my screen for a second, like, wait a minute, don't we already have this? And like, no, it's the ZV-E1. It's a flip camera. Why this, is this special? Okay, I think this camera might take over the world of video content. We're talking YouTuber, TikToker, whatever. There's something very Why, interesting Why, is it hooked up this. to chat GTPT? No. <laughs> let's, let's just talk some camera stuff for a second here. I okay. use a Sony A6600. That's what you're watching right now. I upgraded my old A6000 because I wanted 4K capability. And, you know, this camera has its drawbacks, uh, one of which is that it's APS-C. Not that there's anything wrong with APS-C. It's well, just the sensor's that, smaller, but... Well, the sensor's smaller, so you don't yeah. typically get the, the same kind of coverage from your lenses, and you don't get... No. The same kind of depth of field... Because, you know, it's a smaller sensor. But this camera is a full-frame video camera. You can take stills with it, but it has an electronic shutter. It has no mechanical shutter, so it's kind of video first. It's only 12 megapixels. So it seems like a huge regression from, you know, most of Sony's cameras out there are 24 megapixel <sighs> APS-C. Yeah, but not every megapixel was made the same. Exactly. And this is... Mm, it's true. 
4K 60 without any crop. You can do oh. you can do HD up to 120. It's 10 bit 422. Mm-hmm. And okay. uh, and the their uh the ad that I got showed it was up to 4K 120 and 1080 240. Apparently that's coming later. Uh, some kind of an update. In body stabilization five axis. So this is going to be like a vlogger's delight because it's going to be full frame. So you can get those like, you know, creamy backgrounds, even with a wider angle lens and the in-body stabilization, because most of those wide angle lenses don't have any uh, optical stabilization. And it's just, they're claiming unlimited 4K 30, 30 minutes of 4K 60. But still, I mean, this, they know where the money is made. They know where the bread is buttered. I don't know if that's the right expression. No, they've made it just enough good enough for what people are going to be using it for. And it may seem expensive. This is $2,200 for the camera body. Meh. But to get like a A7 IV, whatever like all the YouTubers use these days, it, it's like $4,000 for the camera back. So yeah, it, it's four. It's four. Yeah, it, this is a tremendous value. Interesting. Uh, it, it, and then, you know, I of course I'm at DP review. I'll mention something about that later. Let's move on to security corner and we have to talk about the LTT hack. There's I'm just going to mute myself cuz <laughs> this is very interesting. Uh, you know, it's a major channel and the other day if you tried to look at any of Linus's videos, the entire channel was gone. It said that this channel has been deleted. For violating YouTube's uh, terms of service, when I went to the to the page, I think so, there's a lot of Elon Musk uh, talking about crypto for a while. Or yeah, Bitcoin there was like deep fake Elon was... trying to get mm-hmm. you to buy into some crypto scam. It was. Are you scary. sure that was deep fake Elon though? I don't know. I'm don't know. pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> that was back on March uh, 23 cr- that it happened, and yep. he has explained. He have, of course via video. What else? And if you haven't already yes, watched... Yes, it took all of 30 videos. seconds to take over his network. Yeah, so that's how it, it wasn't, works. It wasn't... Uh, how was it exactly accomplished? Someone... Okay, okay, quoting him. Someone on our team downloaded what appeared to be a sponsorship offer from a potential partner. It was yes. innocent enough mistake for the most part. The email came from a legitimate looking source and it didn't raise any immediate red flags. Linus said, noting that whatever... Because we don't yeah, play for SPFF or SPF uh, validation atta- or an anything like that. <clears throat> the, anyway, the PDF yeah. didn't actually download, so it didn't launch. It was ignored. Okay, I'm paraphrasing. But this is an article at. Uh, <laughs> I guess they don't run any. Uh, they don't. They don't run any antivirus on on their machines. Uh, so. No. Hey, Windows well, has a robust antivirus uh, solution built right uh, in. Hey, it's true. They they are one of the better ones right now. It really didn't have to be a virus to kind of be spearfish no. this way. So, I mean, you, yeah. you, the user, launched something, you know. It's kind of hard to escape that sometimes. Yeah. And I mean, hell, it's, it's so easy as to, mm-hmm. okay, well, we just want you to make an account. And, you know, none of us ever reuse passwords, ever. It's, it's just not a thing humans do. So, yeah, that uh, couldn't have been a way. It's, yeah. It didn't so this take very long to get his account back. I'm yeah, like, you yeah, unsurprisingly, somebody with Linus's clout was able to, mm-hmm. you know, direct, you know, had some kind of direct uh, contact within mm-hmm. YouTube and got it. Restored, I know other channels. You know, it kind of makes this sense. This happened though. to took longer. 
Go, Josh. It makes sense that they were a little bit more desperate now that Intel pulled the plug, the money plug yep. on Linus. So, yeah. They're... True. Oh, sponsorship. <laughs> click, 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 yes. click, click, click. <laughs> Why isn't this opening? Oh, all right. <laughs> I see where you were going. Uh, yeah. I downloaded it twice and it still won't run. <laughs> I'm sorry. I did I it on a different computer. Uh, I shouldn't, YouTube but chat hey, we, makes we have a, a hassle. We have a history. What YouTube can I chat say? Makes the observation that it was uh, probably stolen session token. So somebody, of had course, a, it was browser session token open to the YouTube account that was exfilled. And oh. why isn't there any protection when it suddenly starts coming from a different IP? Though, wouldn't you think like, mm -hmm. oh, wait a minute. Same session token, but now we're coming from a different location. Isn't this raising any kind of a flag? The magic yeah. of DNS. Ugh. I guess. Well, yeah. you also have you have yes. DHCP issues. I mean, and, if, you're yeah. mobile, if you're mobile, you're going from tower yeah. to tower or yeah. from you coffee, can be shop bouncing to coffee shop. You know, it's almost like the internet going is from Wi-Fi to cell and back again. Yeah, sure, it's sure. Really the internet just sounds nightmare. like a bad idea. It's just Deep fundamentally bonding. insecure. Yeah, they could force VPN. I mean, maybe, you know, that's an option to kind of uh, pigeonhole yep. yourself and say all your connections must come from and you force everybody through a common access point, say, if they're outside okay, of this IP space. Yeah. David in the YouTube chat, very good point. Laptops move between different IPs all the time. Well, yeah, yes. exactly. True. Yeah. And <laughs> you, you might bounce between two or three different Wi Fi's that you've got because mm -hmm. you've got this open one and you got this coffee shop. But, and then, no, of course, it, the mobile. It was probably the mobile argument is very valid because you might switch from yeah. one tower to the next and it would be, but no, it was probably the session keys that like, that's the nightmare right now because like even multi-factor authentication, like it sticks itself in and you can actually steal the session without ever having to do the verification just as someone's verifying it's yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun out there right now. And since we're in security corner, it's only going to get better, kids. Yes. There's so much stuff that I leave off. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, it's just, we, it'd be an eight hour show. It's evil. And we'd there, probably folks. just do horrible things to ourselves afterwards because we have to I deal with it tomorrow. Curl up, curl up and die. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm having a little bit of kernel panic. Just leave me alone. Uh -huh. Our next story comes from the register. Microsoft freaks out users with Windows 11 warning. LSA protection is off. Alerts telling folks their device may be vulnerable triggered by KB5007651. Only all other updates released on March 14th were didn't cause it. But this one, this one yeah. kind of did. We will audit for a period of time to check for incompatibilities with the LSA protection. Principal product manager for the Windows Insider program. If we do not detect any incompatibilities, we will automatically turn on LSA protection for you. So the whole fact that it's turned off and the fact that they're going to come in behind you and eventually turn it on, it's just, I don't know what the purpose of the scare mechanism really was. It's just useless. I'm not sure if this is a security facade, a security theater, or or what, but it just seems... I'd go with theater. <laughs> more security theater. Yeah. Uh, anyway, if you're experiencing this issue, it's it's due to this update, and it's really fairly meaningless at this point. It's more like yeah. a this is more like a public service announcement. That's good to know. Yeah, it's up there with their uh, fake registry entry that I've been dealing with. It's, it, it's Microsoft literally just sort of okay. There's a security pat problem, so we're just gonna create an error, which is 
it's a, a fake registry entry. And if, if you, it's an error 404 because of course it is in an event viewer, but uh-huh. literally it's just a placeholder for a, yeah, we, even we don't know how Intune works. So we're just going to send you off this way and make you panic. Cause it could be worse. It could be like, you know, an entire network protocol got hacked and has this fundamental security flaw that is really not, easily fixable oh, in any oh, way, shape, or form. Wait, here's one. Here's an entire oh, yeah. protocol that ha- <laughs> you spoke too soon. The Here Wi-Fi protocol Stop. flaw allows attackers to hijack network traffic. This is at Bleeping Computer. This is fiendishly oh. clever, in my opinion. Yeah. Tell me, did you read it on this one? Because I had I, I no really time. Have there was... Please, please educate <laughs> oh. me, because I saw a headline, and I'm like, yeah, I'm too busy to even want to Complete, contemplate this. All right. So here's the deal on this one. Um, I, I believe this is a, a protocol issue. So it potentially affects almost every I- implementation of Wi-Fi. Um, there, there are some s- very specific devices that are called out in the article that are uh, definitely susceptible to this, but I suspect that list is going to grow. The details of this is, is again, this is very, very clever, unfortunately clever, uh, is that... Um, you're going along just fine with a mobile device accessing a Wi-Fi access point when somebody can look at your uh, addresses going by and they send a what's called a power save or a sleep token to the access point on your behalf. Well, what's supposed to happen as part of the protocol is that the device is, is um, buffers those for a time being until you ask for them or, or wake up uh, or your device wakes up. And then the the trick here is that there are ways to renegotiate the handshake to have the device send you completely unencrypted packets at that point, which is just mind blowing if you think about it. And it's this is baked right into the protocol, like I said. So someone decided that it would make it easier to reconnect if they did yeah. that. I'm sure, like somewhere back in the day. There's already proof of concept out there that that does exactly this and there's some high-end hardware that's that's already susceptible to this like us cisco asus uh, uh d-link uh, devices now if your co- corporation or your environment layers on another protocol as a tunnel you're not susceptible to this okay so there are kind of ways yeah, around it hit, a, it hit a wall when it uh, changes protocol yeah. wouldn't it yeah, exactly. okay, yeah, because still. it'll just it'll send you encrypted packets oh, that are encrypted with the overlay. Jesus. But you can you can renegotiate the connection on resume from sleep. So you can have devices that come in, spoof you from your, your Ethernet address, not your IP, your Ethernet address. But <clears throat> even if you are blocking those encrypted like yeah, even if you switch over the protocol, it's still gonna harvest your Mac address and stuff, is it not? Yeah, your Mac address has to be out in the open. I mean, like, because yeah. it's part of the lower level routing. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's why we don't have so, to worry too much about IPv6, but we still should. Uh, beyond, <laughs> beyond simply stealing your traffic, this thing is also set up to be able to re-inject potentially harmful malware into the, into the packets that you're about to receive. Like say it's a web page or something that you're reading. Mm-hmm. You go, they fake sleep inject a bunch of a code into the, into the buffer space. And then you begin to redownload that. Part of that could be a payload that has has a JavaScript wedge in it that you just downloaded to your legitimate device. This this I think we're seeing the beginnings of 
of a, a horrible situation with this unless it gets fixed. Yeah, because even if it doesn't go for you, it'll go for that Internet of Things thing that you're connected to, which, sure. you know, has hard-coded admin passwords in it because that's the world we live in now. I think we're, you're going to see a lot more um, tunneling, yeah. a lot more additional uh, encryption layers on top of your Wi-Fi signals, and everybody's just going to be, you know, running that way because you can no longer trust the Wi-Fi protocols itself with their level of encryption. I so should we just disable sleep across the board well, guess, on on Wi-Fi? Well, then you have no buffering. You know, say you yeah, you you're room right. To room Damn and you're you have ah. a mesh network. Yep. Yeah, so you wouldn't be able to hand over and yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. No. Yay. And you, and everybody occasionally, no matter who they are, occasionally sets their phone down. I hate to say it, but they set their phone down and that's a sleep moment and they pick that's, it up again and yep. they resume what they were doing. I know. Does it go to sleep without a phone? Like a, it, the, no. the, the, yes. the display turns off. It's, it's a terminology no, the that, that you can negotiate with your, your Wi-Fi endpoint. I'm not, not oh. saying that the device hmm. per se goes to sleep, but the networking that it's that it's yeah. doing will go into the sleep mode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Interesting. Unless yeah. you're in a space with no cell signal and then it just goes crazy, still trying to desperately find itself a cell signal. Reconnect, but, reconnect, yeah. reconnect. <laughs> Let's pause here for a word from our second podcast sponsor this week. Hey, I've got some great news from our sponsor, Collide. If you're an Acta user, you can get your entire mobile device fleet to 100% compliance. How you ask? If you have a device out of compliance, that user just cannot log into your hosted cloud apps until they fix the problem. It's just that simple. Collide patches one of the major holes in zero trust architecture, device compliance. Without Collide, your IT staff can struggle to solve basic problems like keeping everyone's OS and browser up to date. Unsecured devices will log into your company's apps because there's nothing there to really stop them. Collide is the only device trust solution that enforces compliance as part of authentication, and it's built to work seamlessly with Acta. The moment Collide's agent detects a problem, it alerts the user and gives them instructions to fix it. If they don't fix the problem within a set grace time, they're blocked. Collide's methodology means fewer support tickets, less frustration, and most importantly, 100% fleet compliance. So visit collide.com slash PCBurr to learn more or book a demo. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash PCBurr. We're back, and it's time for Gaming Quick Hits. And this is a story at VideoCards, with a Z, by the way, .com. Steam will no longer work on Windows 7 and 8 systems starting January 2024. This should have been one of what our top Vista? stories. <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm, I'm guessing it already doesn't work on XP and Vista. Yeah, 2018 or so. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of... Uh, Windows 7 holdouts out there just for you know, maybe I'm making that up. I'm sure there are some Windows 7 holdouts out there who who game yeah, and they don't game on like yeah. they don't need DirectX uh, 12. Does yeah. Windows 7 have DirectX 11 support? I was surprised to find out what the reason was. What did you read into this? The for reason Steam is dropping it. Yeah, the reason is is due to an embedded version of Chrome no longer being released for Windows Seven and Eight, no longer being kept up to date. Oh, okay. So it's kind of a because I mean the app is essentially exactly a, a browser a instance and around the store Chrome. and yeah, mm, that makes exactly. sense because they want you to be able to be securely logged into their store and make purchases. Yep, that's so. the reason. I mean, it, Windows 10 is old hat at this point, obviously. Windows 11's been out for a while. So 
as long as they're always supporting at least one or two versions back, I guess I'm okay with it. Finally, in Gaming Quick Hits, this mod that automatically drops all the junk you pick up in Fallout might be the most important ever made. Please explain. Uh, For those still playing Fallout New Vegas, and why aren't you still playing Fallout New Vegas occasionally? I mean, there's been new mods, new updates. Still playing, you're still probably struggling with this issue of just trying to pick up all the right stuff because there's so much wrong stuff laying about and managing that is such a pain in the butt. Well, get the New Vegas script extension with the NVSE plugin and something called Johnny Guitar. I have to go look at that one. And then then you get auto drop. It's it's game saving. Well, I mean it doesn't really save your game. It just sort of saves your game. Johnny Guitar is a very good plugin, by the Don't way. I have that one. Hmm. It's worth it. Anyway, check this out if you're struggling with this issue still playing Fallout New Vegas. Manage the corrupt. Our actual final story in gaming quick hits, because I can't read, is Night Dive reassures fans about the Atari deal, quote, not only will we be doing as much as we ever did, but we'll be doing more of it, end quote. <coughs> so, I, I just what, feel like this works. game was going to be released. Or, or, this is works this like sus. an eight-year delay already? Sus, sus comes to mind. Uh, Jeremy, I thought this would hurt uh, as well because, as we all know, Night Dive is responsible I, for yeah. a lot of excellent older games, but a, one newer one that I know I am hotly anticipating, and that's the new version of System Shock that they've yes. been working on for. We need to give well, the listeners eight, some context eight, here. 12 years, something like that. The, Got my well, Kickstarter Atari, money the background and is The background is that, according to the article here, Atari surprised everyone last week with the out-of-nowhere acquisition of Night Dive Studios. Bullshit. It was like a $10 million deal. Dude just suddenly shows up and falls over and owns Night Dive? No. This was not out-of-nowhere. This is people CYA. This is a bunch of CYA. Who's CYAing here, do you think? Uh, Night Dive. Okay. Because they can't afford the lawyer bill after all the uh, fighting that they had to do to get the license back. Because uh, that's a nightmare that could go on about for a long time. Uh, and then there, for some reason they bring up Rise of the Triad, which is just not something you want to remind people of. Well, this is the ludicrous edition, so it's different. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, yeah. Um, I mean, it's not as bad as Daikatana. Yeah. yeah, it was Epogee. Well, I mean, yeah, they've got an older games library that's still popular with a certain segment of the audience, and Atari is sort of committed to say they're they're going to support this, and you're, we're definitely going to make these games. Unfortunately, Atari as a company just doesn't have a hot track record in the space right now, and uh, I'm a little bit worried about the eventual release of, of my so, you know much look forward to remake of System Shock. You're figuring that uh, System Shock will be a uh, bunch of physical discs. Which uh, then get buried <laughs> in a landfill somewhere that no one ever gets to play. Hey, you're mixing your metaphors that happened here. A long time ago, it was still Atari. Didn't they excavate yep. that? They did. Yeah, they did. Yes. <laughs> they did. Yeah. About four, five, six it, years ago. It, it took them yeah. weeks of like digging around, and, like there was one photograph. Well, yeah, because you kept under. falling in the hole, and your game ended, so you had to start all over again. Yeah. Et, it wasn't it's worth it. It not was, what I was not worth about. that effort. <laughs> No, it was not. It should have remained buried. 
YouTube chat says System Shock 2600. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. I like that. <laughs> All right. Let's that's that concludes gaming quick hits. Let's move to the Josh Tech portion of this week's podcast. You have a review yeah, for it. Yeah, cuz someone didn't fix my charts. I do. I forgot, sorry. That's okay yeah, for I for losers. So anyway, uh yeah, Next Level Racing ended up sending me their uh FGT simulation cockpit. It is a driving cockpit made of of a seat, a frame, pedal stand, and a wheel stand. This is actually one of their kind of budget options. And, and you know, you kind of shake your head at, at, at calling a $500 thing, a uh, cockpit, a, a budget option. But when you look at what else is out there, uh, it, it certainly is. Uh, now, you know, below that you have the wheel stands, which are just, you know, the stands where you, you put the wheel on, you roll up your little uh, chair to it or couch you sit on the couch and you bring a wheel stand uh the next level up uh, are the the foldable chairs they kind of look like lawn chairs but they're a little bit sturdier and they've got you know a tubular metal frame that you you mount the uh, the wheels and bases and the pedals to um but it's you know it's it's inexpensive relatively speaking and uh they don't handle you know higher uh, Newton meter, you know, force type basis. Well, this is is the kind of basic level of a fairly adjustable sim cockpit that you can have in either a, a GT uh, uh, form factor, which is you're sitting more upright, the pedals are, are below your butt, um, not like behind, but you know, vertically below. So your, your feet are, are, are down or you can put it in the formula um, setup, which is it raises the pedals and it lowers your butt. So, you know, your, your, your feet are above where your butt is. Like if you're racing a formula one car, you know, they're, they're, they're slapped in that cockpit laying almost flat. And uh, this is made of tubular steel rather than, uh, you know, the aluminum profile or the extruded aluminum, which is a very popular, as we saw earlier with the next level racing Ferrari, a very expensive option. Now, of course, you know, with the aluminum profile, uh, they're, they're bigger spars, they're stiffer, and they weigh less. And plus the way the T-joints work, it's a little bit more configurable. Uh, you can you can adjust things, uh, you know, much more granularly. And, uh, you know, it's it's but it's it's an expensive option. Uh, you're starting at just frame level, 750 bucks, and that doesn't include typically the seat that you're in, which goes from anywhere from 200 to to 500 dollars, as we saw earlier. Um, so this is an all integrated one. You can't swap out the seat; it is just part of it. It comes in a hundred pound box. Uh, there's an external box that protects the retail looking box. It takes a couple of people to move it around. And uh, it's nicely, nicely packed in there. It's got multiple layers of foam. It's got bubble wrap. It's got an internal cardboard box with more stuff. And uh, you did a lot of screwing, didn't you? It, it, I did, and it came with all the tools you need, which is really nice. Um, you know, a a lot of things kind of got you know squashed around, and I had to the blister pack got got broken, 
And so some things ran away. I was able to recover them all. But it has the wrench, two Allen wrenches, and I think a screwdriver somewhere in there. I think one of the ends of the Allen wrench can do that. Um, but that's all you need to be able to put this together. And it takes about an hour to, to put it together. And my son, who you know went to welding school, I asked him, you know, how, how are the welds on this thing? And he looked at him and he went over and he's like, you know, they, it's, it's, it's a full penetrating weld. They're, they're going to be very, very, very strong. And, you know, the, the weld quality is actually really good. They don't finish the welds very much. I mean, they don't like grind them down. You're going to get some weld splatter. Uh, but a lot of that is covered up by the powder coat, which is pretty strong. Uh, you know, you can scratch it if you want, but it's not, it's, 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 it's pretty robust. Um, you can adjust things quite, uh, dramatically. Uh, the spars can, you know, go up and down for higher things. The wheelbase plate has five different, uh, low angles that, that you can set it at. Uh, the seat is movable. So you lift a little handle down below the seat, just like, uh, you do with your car, you move it up and back and forth. And, you know, it's a heavier piece because it is all cold rolled tubular steel. And it's, you know, not as adjustable as, and I'll explain this picture here in a second. There's a piece of wood sticking out of uh, the, uh, the, the, the shifter ledge or attachment or e-brake as you put it on there. I bought one of those, uh, you know, $60 e-brakes from Amazon or you can get it from AliExpress for even cheaper. And uh, none of the holes lined up. So I had to actually, you know, get the clamp that comes with the shifter. And then when I tried to clamp it onto the the seat thing, the clamp didn't go far enough. And so I had to, you know, lower that up, put in a piece of wood, clamp it down. And someday I'll, I'll need to actually, you know, trim that piece of wood so it doesn't look nearly as bad as what it does. What uh, type of wood is this, Josh? You need to trim your wood, Josh. This is pine. Uh, Don't we all? Uh, Um, No, it's not pine. It's kind of reddish. I think it's a... Might be a birch. I don't know. It's a softwood of some sort. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, it it does good in uh, when when snotty-nosed kids come running around. Hits them right in the shin. It's a positive. Uh, but, you know, Make for 500 right bucks, out. you expect a lot, and this actually delivers a lot. Now, the one weakness that I, I found is the pedal set, when you're in GT mode, it only has one bolt in there. So if you've got a load cell pedal set that can go up to 90 kilograms of force that, that gets pushed down, that warps that plate. I mean, it, it, the plate bends itself. And, you know, I imagine after a lot of use, you could, you could see some issues with that. Now, if you have it in the formula setup, which I haven't shown here, uh, there are two points of contact with the, uh, the pedal base. And so it works a little bit better with those load cells. Now, however, Next Level Racing just announced that all the new ones of these coming out come with two extra stiffeners, one set of stiffeners for the, uh, the base, with, because we're now entering the realm of um, direct drive wheels that are providing 25, 26 newton meters of force, which if you're not paying attention, 
could actually seriously injure your wrist if you get into a wreck or something. Um, most direct drives are between 8 and 11 Newton meters, and that's still plenty mm-hmm. of force. And so if you've got one of these, you know, higher Newton meter wheels, I mean, most of the previous generation, um, you know, either geared or, you know, pulley and, and belt driven, uh, they only went up to maybe a max of eight Newton meters. And that would be a peak type force, um, like the, the Thrustmaster TSPC, uh, that that's, that maxes out at about, you know, eight Newton meters, maybe a little bit less. Uh, when you're on, you know, something like this setup, there's not a lot of, you know, it, it's still plenty of stiff. There's not a lot of wiggle room. But once you start going up to these higher direct drive, uh, you know, 11 Newton meter and below above, you're going to get a little bit of more, you know, shaking in that. And so they are putting in two extra stiffeners for the wheel deck as well as the pedal stat, because, you know, we have these pedals that, that feature load cells that, you know, people are doing from 50 pounds up to 90 pounds. I mean, it's just, it's just kind of nuts. If you think about it, it's, you know, what, 150 pounds worth of, did I say pounds or kilograms? You said pounds. About pounds. 90 kilograms. 90 kilograms. kilograms. Oh, bloody so, yeah. hell. Well, yeah. Yeah. Gosh, it's serious. Gosh. Do you know anybody so 200, who else, perhaps? Can, 200 can pounds of force. In? Weld in some additional stiffening, maybe. Hmm? Yeah, yeah, and so it it it, it requires it. So yeah, that uh, if uh, you know people get really into the sim world, which looking at a you know eighteen hundred dollar rig, yes, people do that. But um, you know, Formula One racers when they have their brake pedal, it actually is is calibrated for them undergoing you know multiple g's in braking and so those pedals do you know 90 to 120 kilograms of of force down until you're you know you're locking up the brakes and people want to do that i don't know why but they just do and uh with uh load cells uh, you get a little bit more muscle memory in how you approach braking and you know it is it is more accurate that way once you start kind of feeling where it is rather than position. But anyway, um, it is cheaper because it is steel. Uh, it's powder coated. It's not extruded aluminum. It only has you know so much flexibility. Uh, you only have two positions that that you can work from. You can mix and match them a little bit. Um, but this is a really, really, really solid entry-level full-size simulator. And, and the seat itself is, you know, a cushion PU leather. Uh, it's, it's a little adjustable. You have, you know, three different position settings for the back. Uh, you've got lumbar support that they include in there. For long sessions, I found it to be very comfortable. I imagine if it's blazing hot in the summer, that PU leather gets a little warm. But overall, uh, you know, it was it was a, a great product for the price, you know, very configurable. They have all kinds of extras you can buy for it, uh, casters, so you can move around a little easier, you know, a mat that you can put on under there. So, you know, it, it stays a little bit more stable. Um, they have uh, flight control uh, risers that you can snap, uh, you know, snap in there so you can have throttle and joystick. 
Um, they have extra things like, you know, even just, you know, keyboard holders, keyboard holders or monitor stands that attach to the frame. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that you can do with the configuration and add-ons that, uh, you know, I could, I could see you having this for 10, 15 years in the future. And that's, you know, for 500 bucks, that's money well spent. Uh, it can handle direct drive, uh, higher Newton meter uh, wheelbases without any problem. Right now I've got the new Thrustmaster 818 on there and it runs like a champ. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. there are issues with that wheel base, but we can talk about that later when I when I do that review. But in terms of the stand itself, fits on there. Uh, it's got holes pre-drilled for all the major manufacturers. So Fanatec, Logitech, Thrustmaster, uh, probably like SimCube, and a couple others that you won't have to drill into your deck to to be able to uh, to, to permanently mount things in there with screws. And uh, yeah, it's just a very solid part. The uh, the only problem I had is is of course the shifter riser did not have the whole structure for the e brake that I bought. And of course, that e brake is is very very common uh, for people who are doing racing. It's an inexpensive, pretty good quality full metal uh, unit. And of course, they, there's like 17 different names for it, but it's all essentially the the same product. So yeah, um, gave it the gold award. I thought that it was, you know, extremely flexible for, uh, the price you pay. The quality is, is very high. Um, it was comfortable. Uh, the stiffness was good. The weight of course was mm-hmm. a little bit higher than what you'd get with the, uh, the profile aluminum, the aluminum profile frames. But other than that, you know, if, if you're an enthusiast, but don't want to spend a whole lot of money, but you want a kind of permanent cockpit to do your racing on or your flight sim. This is an excellent choice for the uh, four ninety nine ninety nine MSRP. Well, that's significantly cheaper than the Ferrari. Yes, like, it I, is. Both the car turn. and the Ferrari branded uh, version. Uh, yeah. yeah. True. Yes. True. All right. Let's uh, thank you, Josh, for that review. And you can go to PCPro.com and read all of his thoughts he has even including more thoughts than those expressed. The bit here. about the, the wood, yeah. including the bit about the wood. That looks like one of those nicer pieces of wood. You go into the lumber store and they have the cheap stuff, and then they have like the, the nicer. Oh like, no, it's a decent piece of wood. Yeah, it was. Did it you was, see the grain in that? Widely it was, spaced. It was well, a beautiful piece of wood. Yeah, that's what's throwing me I, off. I, you know, actually, the grain I went, is went to the lumber yard. Mm-hmm. I went to the lumber yard because I'd measured some things out myself, and it was a non-standard. Mm-hmm. What I thought that the the range hood that I was installing. And I was like, mm-hmm. I need these oh. cut to these exact specifications. And they're looking at me like, I can do that. And then they brought it out and they're like, here you go. And I thought, okay, how much do I owe you? And the guy's like, just take him <laughs> away. And we, we actually grabbed some of the, because, uh, yeah, some, there's a pile of wood in the wood, back, but of, yeah, uh, of I, unnatural I, I, cuts I or unusual cuts. There's two simultaneous yeah. conversations happening right now. Yeah. Two different countries. But we're agreeing with but each anyway, other. Yes. Uh, he, he he was laughing at me because he's like, I don't know what you're trying to install, but it's not going to work. And sure enough, it didn't. So I had to go back and get some standard pieces. And, and sure, and they then it was perfect for the range. I don't know why yeah. it didn't work out the way it did, but it it, it did. Good story. Josh, well, high five. 
Pavel from Pavel YouTube. Pavel appreciates you. Great gracefully uh, donated to the cause here and has asked a question of the ideal monitor for your hypothetical racing sim, Josh, what would you pick? What kind of monitor setup would you Oh, have? Uh, you know, I've been using uh, in my uh, living room. My wife is not happy with it, but the cockpit has been in the middle of the re- living room in front of the 55 inch LG C1 OLED TV running it at 120 Hertz. Oh, so a 55 LG double thumbs up. It's G six. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I've been, I've been running on that and it's been fantastic. And I've got my whole 7.1 home theater system with a, I don't know how many Watts my receiver is, but it's plenty. It shakes the house when I go rally racing and it's, it's wonderful. It's not going to live forever. So, I've got to enjoy it while it lasts. So if yeah, that's, a- that's, that's the monitor I've been really enjoying my 55 it, inch OLED TV. If it was a PC display, would you select one of the widescreen or probably or would you go with, okay. yeah, like the, or would the you go with Samsung three of them? 49 inch, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know, that's an option, but I think that's a little too much for the space I'm at. I, I yeah. think a single really, it's a theoretical ultra wide. Yeah. It's a theoretical racing. You need the orb and the wraparound monitors all the way. Mm. You did just briefly talk about the actual game you were playing. So what game have you been playing or games have you been playing with the rig? Dirt Rally. Uh, Forza Horizon 4. Mm -hmm. I did buy five on the Steam sale, but I haven't installed it yet. I did a set of Corsa, a set of Corsa Capetizone. Grid Legends. Grid 2019. Dirt Rally. I tried there Dirt is. Three Complete Edition, but it didn't. It didn't work. Um, oh, it's too bad. I don't know. There's a couple others that I've tried, and I can't remember exactly which ones. But yeah, no, I, I've really enjoyed uh, my Dirt Rally uh, comeback again, and and with this uh, seat. Excellent. Let's move to the picks of the week because Josh, you haven't talked enough, and yes. now you got to tell me your oh, pick. Thanks. <laughs> okay, uh, I saw these come across the uh, the wire today. Uh, by the time this is posted, they may not be that price, but it's the uh, the G Skill Flare X5 Series AMD Expo 32 gig 2x16 DDR5 6000 mm. desktop memory module for 118 bucks, and that's before the promo code. What that you can apply to it to make it oh, even less? Yeah. I don't know how much that promo. It doesn't say. But we're looking. Yeah. Yeah. So it might be below, you know, 110 for oh. a set of fast DDR5. You're not kidding no. about ends soon. I believe I just read sale ends in three hours. Four hours. Well, maybe that's just the. We'll see. We'll see. That's the benefit sell. of watching us live. Yeah. But yeah. there'll be more sales yeah. like this. I mean, DDR5 has been dropping, it's been plummeting lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now it's it's nearly it's twenty dollars more expensive than a pretty good set of you know thirty two gig thirty six hundred. Actually, it's about the same price as thirty two gig thirty six hundred. Yeah, that hundred dollar mark. It's the magic number for those. Mm. Yeah, ideal yeah. for AMD kind of kits. So it's all good and decent uh, timings on it too, from the looks of it. Yeah, CL thirty six. Thirty six. You don't need any better than that. I mean, come on. Well, for DDR5, that's... 
Yeah, it's, and that's really good because I think JDEC for that speed would be somewhere in like the 50 something 42 yeah. so good. Yeah. Yeah. I think 5600 is CL 40. Oh, God, you're right, too. Yeah. 48. Yeah, it's very high. So, yeah, it'd be in the 50s. Oh, yeah. Jeremy, your pick this week. Uh, well, I have very little, but there is a sale on Steam right now of all of your favorite D&D games, including one which I'd never played and didn't even know it existed. So I'm kind of interested in that. But if you haven't grabbed all of the old classics on good old games or a couple of the other uh, ones or done the uh, remake of Torment, because that's one of the best RPGs that was ever made, uh, the only problem with this sale is that... Uh, Baldur's Gate 3 is not on sale. Everything else is, though. Hmm. And Celasta. I've never... I, I don't know. Somehow I missed Celasta. So I've thrown that. I might put it in wow. my cart and check it out tonight. Uh, it's a lot uh, of It's the, the fifth generation rules from uh, mm-hmm. that company we won't mention that ruins everything. Uh, but, you know, I'm kind of curious because... Hey, I was raised on D&D. It's role-playing is awesome. And sometimes you don't want the hack and slash. You you want a little bit of turn-based and maybe even a bit of story. So if you don't have them already, check them out. Awesome. Uh, Brett, your pick this week. Throwback to an earlier story we had today. If you're sitting there with a motherboard and your bits are falling on the floor because you have a one gigabit switch plugged into your 2.5 gigabit port, for goodness sakes, get a 2.5 gigabit switch. You're letting bits fall on the floor for $98. I I cannot implore you Mm. any further. 98 bucks. It's even lower than they talk about. It's well mountable. Yeah. Well, two things going on here. One, this is lower than the price given in the article from um, uh, Serve the Home. This is actually also the very one I have mounted to my wall. So I personally bought this one for an eye-wardingly high price of $146 some year ago or plus a year ago. So $98 is quite a steal, and I don't think I've ever power cycled it for unless the power went off in the entire house. So uh, it works great. You should do that occasionally. I mean, the firmware. You might uh, be right. Yeah, I power cycle my power every winter during ice storms. Well, that's because uh, the witch is trying to drop a a tree on your house, or the other way around, a tree is trying to drop a witch on your house. I don't remember. Have you tried an unexpected power interrupt? Hmm. Uh, My pick this week is not really an anti-pick. It's just a PSA, a DP review. If you've never been to Digital Photography Review, it's been around for Mm -hmm. a while. And they have a big database. It's kind of like, I think of it kind of like the Anon tech of digital photography reviews. Yeah, where they well, have that's this not big, very nice. They have a mean. big database and you can compare one against the other. And you can look at like what I was doing when I was buying cameras, like the Sony a6000 versus like the Panasonic, you know, whatever. And you can see in excruciating detail, like, you know, at 200 ISO, at 400, at 800, at 1600, look at the noise, look at the different resolutions, look at video versus photography for the different lenses and stuff, and the site is going away. Uh, DP Review has an announcement on their page. Ratings, ratings really. Well, yeah, Artings is much newer. like 2006 or 2008 to Amazon? Yeah, and Amazon is, uh, you know, cost-cutting, 
So DP review is yeah. going away. It says mm. they're going away. Well, April that's 10th. awful. So if you have bookmarks and you've been considering, you know, if you've been doing product comparisons here, uh, you need to do something. Save the page or the site will be locked and no further updates made after April 10. It's a, it's available read only for a limited period afterwards. They I have mean, a data request link. Internet but... Archive just lost a, a really big court case. So they might not be able to uh, store it, but come on, someone with a little bit of extra space should be able to capture those space. forums. Someone with a really mm. big NAS. Yeah, I wonder who that would be. I, I have no also idea. Kind of interested in photography. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> we don't know anyone like that. Alan Multivista. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Well, that is our show for this week. We thank you for watching or listening or both simultaneously through the magic of youtube.com and uh please join us again next week until then good night